to the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. Each episode, we tackle community issues, tell stories that matter, and show how you can make a difference. Presented by the Gwinnett Coalition and the Community Foundation for Northeast Georgia, Giving Back to Gwinnett showcases the nonprofits and people making an impact in Gwinnett. I'm Heather Loveridge, founder of Magnolia Media Group and chief storyteller for the Community Foundation, and I'm your host today. Today, we're talking about something we all need, which is housing. But while having and keeping a roof over our head may be easy for some, it's a big struggle for others. And unfortunately, the pandemic has only exacerbated the issues. There's also a lot of opinions and some disinformation floating around concerning this issue. So today we want to bring you the insight of two guests who are on the front lines of this very important issue. So I'm joined by Matt Elder, Executive Director of Home First Gwinnett, as well as Gwinnett Chief Magistrate Judge Christina Bloom. So welcome, Matt and Christina, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Heather. It's so good to see you. It's been a minute. I know. We were just talking about that, how a lot has happened since the last time that we were chatting. You think? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, And Matt, say, I'm, I know I've like seen you on Zoom, but in person it's been a while. So, yeah, He's so much taller in person. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird to be in person. I feel like, I don't know if the camera adds or takes away 10 pounds, but I like it a lot more than just being over through a Zoom screen. Yes. I, yeah. I love the in-person too. So um, Matt, tossing it to you first. Tell us briefly about Home First Gwinnett and your role there um, for our listeners who you know may not know a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. Home First Gwinnett was started in July 2018 through a, a partnership between Gwinnett County's Board of Commissioners, the Primerica Foundation, and United Way of Greater Atlanta, where we were charged with trying to redesign and re-strategize how we responded to the homeless issue here in Gwinnett County. Our role is as a lead entity for what we call coordinated entry, by which we build pathways for individuals who are currently experiencing housing insecurity or literal homelessness. We get them to the partner providers that we have in the community that have the inventory or spaces available in their programs to go ahead and get them into some kind of a housing situation, whether it be short term and obviously working towards that long term goal of permanent housing at the end. Our role is to function as the system in that process, as opposed to being a direct service provider like so many of our other great partners here that uh, we work with day in and day out. Awesome. And then Christina, tell our listeners about your role as a judge here in Gwinnett. Well, I'm the chief magistrate judge for Gwinnett County. I've been a judge in magistrate court for 16 years now and the chief judge for nine. Um, our court, uh, obviously we're here to talk about today, dispossessory proceedings and evictions. My court probably does, I would say about 98% of the eviction cases in Gwinnett County. Um, so I'm happy to talk about that, but we also do criminal matters um, we run in a non-pandemic year, about 100,000 matters through. Wow. Um, there's about 23 judges in, uh, that work for me. Um, we have a big staff. And throughout the pandemic, one of the uh, things that I found most amazing about the people I work with and the court that I serve is that our functions were deemed essential. So we kept going throughout the pandemic. And um, we were in charge of arrest warrants, search warrants, public safety, but also getting people out of jail. So we spent a lot of time and energy last year making sure we kept criminal processes going so people weren't forgotten about in the system. And also, I'm happy today to talk about all the efforts and things we did, in particular, Matt and I and Commissioner Foscue to get way ahead and put Gwinnett County way ahead of the eviction crisis. Awesome. Well, and that segues beautifully um, into talking about what we're going to talk about today. So let's let's dive more into that, the impact the pandemic has had on housing, homelessness, um, and the good, bad, and ugly about the uh, rent moratoriums that were put in place. So. Um, Christina, I'll toss it back to you. Sure. I mean, there was, it was interesting last year, I mean, to talk about 
the moratoriums and there's a lot of political discussion about it that actually Matt and I whenever we talk about the eviction protocols that we put in place we're like we can't be distracted by that mm -hmm. we just have to deal with the facts as we've got and one of the things that I mean I think to talk about eviction and how the CDC declarations and all that kind of came into play is is helpful to back up and give you a little bit of context for evictions and landlord tenant um, you know, the, the normal landlord-tenant year in Gwinnett County. Mm -hmm. Gwinnett County isn't like, even though we're the second biggest county, we're not like our, our brothers and sisters, you know, DeKalb and Fulton and Cobb. They have a larger, what, what Matt and I always refer to as the rental portfolio. We don't have as many rentable properties um, given just the, the residential quality of Gwinnett County. So every year, and I, I tell you, I've been the chief judge for my nine, nine years now, Every year in a non-pandemic year, Gwinnett County does about 24,000 evictions. Wow. Now, well, in a county of a million people, yeah. you put that in context. Right. But what I tell you that never needs to, you know, that always needs to be part, never needs to be forgotten in any eviction conversation is the fact that that number is fairly static. Mm. So that 24,000, so when we talked about eviction intervention protocols as it came through the pandemic, we started with that was our static number, and that's just the number. So as, as an administrative judge, I mean, I sit on the bench and wear a robe, of course, but I also handle the business processes for the court. One of the things we had to pay attention to was what's our norm? How do we stay within the range of the norm? Watching you know, the pandemic, is it gonna spike to 36,000? Mm -hmm. So I will start by telling you just some numbers. Last year in Gwinnett County, um, our court stayed open, and that's relevant to the discussion about how we came up with Project Reset, because last year my eviction filings were 12,000. So they were 50% lower last year. Mm -hmm. So whenever anyone talks about you know, the crisis of eviction, now there was the CDC protocols and things, the, the, um, all of those, so that of course plays into it. But this year, we're still operating at about 40% less eviction filings than what I'm telling you is my normal number for okay. 24,000. Mm -hmm. So when people get out there and say there's an eviction crisis, Project Reset and my core, we got so far ahead of it that, that the dam wasn't going to break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. So our numbers for eviction filings, as I sit here talking to you, Heather, is they're still about 40% less than they were. And that is with a fully open court. And the reason is, is because that was part of the process we needed to keep in play to build the pipeline to the CARES Act funding, to target and identify those people that were gonna be in the eviction process and get ahead of it, offer them solutions. And that's where last year, when we had to open the courts back up, um, I called Matt and I called Marlene Foscue, Commissioner Foscue, and I invited him to court. And I said, I'm gonna have to start doing these hearings again come and let's figure this out mm -hmm. and that's how we kind of started and got to where we are okay matt do you have anything to add to that yeah i think that one of the most important things that we focused on and judge bloom talked about it was that we focused on eviction intervention as opposed to just eviction prevention we looked around our community and we saw just how aggressive COVID 19 was in attacking our community rather indiscriminately and we wanted to design a response that was as robust in its rollout so thanks to the leadership with Commissioner Foscue and also strategizing with, with uh, Chief Judge Bloom and all the different court officials, we were able to not just deal with the ones that had the active eviction filings mm -hmm. that were already at the court, but we could also do those that we call pre-eviction status, those that were behind a month or two on their rent, 
but had not yet been filed on, so we could go ahead and help to pay those arrears down as well, so there was never going to be a filing. So we got ahead of that, and by doing so, we were able to keep that dam completely constructed, yeah. which is why the judge's filings are down almost 40% mm -hmm. 18 months later as we've gone through this process. We've maintained that, and in fact, the current Project Reset 2.0 that we run right now, the funding that came out from that specifically is targeted to do both the active eviction filings and those that are currently just in arrears but have not been filed on. And we were doing that back last November with Project Reset 1.0 when we started this whole process together. I mean, overall, between the two, but since we started this thing, we've, we've served more than 1,300 total families and spent more than $10.5 million in helping to prevent evictions from either happening and settles taking place or even, from even being filed on families across this county. So we've been hugely successful in that, and it's a credit to the partnership between mm -hmm. the Board of Commissioner's Office, the Magistrate Court, and obviously ours on the ground doing this work, and all of our other partners who have been supporting that role, role as well. Awesome, and I love, you've already referenced it, I'm gonna spell it out a little bit more, but Project Reset um, began in November 2020. 2020. It started um, a little before then, but we rolled it out November. Officially. Yeah, November 1st. Yeah, November, 2nd. November 2nd, yes. I think that was a Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you guys mentioned is a partnership between MAP, between Home First Gwinnett and the Gwinnett County Board of Commissioners and the Gwinnett, Gwinnett Magistrate Court. Mm -hmm. um, is there, and I, you've touched on, on that, but is there anything else you want to add for our listeners to really grasp, um, I guess, the breadth and depth of Project Reset? Well, I can explain kind of how, how we designed it. And Matt and I throw around terms that I think we created, like pre-evictions. And Probably. one of the things, like, I remember Zoom meetings, with, and, and it's kind of just the power of having one idea and willing to take action. How it was designed, the, the program was, Matt came to court with me and we were like, okay, because I said to Matt, I go, I know who's about to be homeless. And one of the things that can't get lost in this whole conversation is landlord-tenant matters are private contract agreements between private citizens. The government is not the evictor. You know, the, right. these are contractual agreements that it is alleged someone's breached. So by shutting off any rent at all or giving people permission to that sometimes can create more stressors on the overall portfolio of affordable housing we have. Mm. So we knew looking down the road at the end of this, if we didn't get ahead and put protocols in place, where is anybody going to have anywhere to live at the end? Mm. So we created sort of some ideals that were part of the project. Number one, the main rule of the project was is paying off the rent going to keep the person in their home. So one thing that was really magical is that we had a lot of landlords and tenants where leases were expiring. So when the leases expired, they couldn't they couldn't, you know, <laughs> get access to the funding, so they would renegotiate the leases. So it would keep these tenants in the homes and and catch them up. And in in the landlord tenant world too, what happens is there are often late fees and things in the contract that are fairly standard in the industry. So right. it's not a court thing, it's not a law thing, it's a contractual thing that the parties agree to. So what happens is when people fall behind on their rent, the late fees and all these things compound, and it almost makes it hard to catch up. Mm -hmm. So we named it project reset because the goal was I'm gonna put you guys back to square one and go on about your business but but you know and and a lot of people were gonna remain stably housed because we caught them up we set them back to zero right so that was number one and number two Matt always said this it has to be low barrier high impact because the one thing we were certain of is that the pandemic hit people at six-figure jobs just like it hit people 
you know, at, you know, regular wage earners. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have an income requirement. And in Project Reset 1, we were constrained by the CARES Act funding requirements that the federal government put on the funding. Mm Because what's very clear, I always say, is the CARES Act funding was given to us by the federal government. It's not local money. But Matt also always said this. He says, we got to keep the money locally. If it, mm-hmm. We have to send it back. And Commissioner Foscue came in and she's like, hey guys, here's my requirement. She says, I want to get ahead of it. So that's when we, we designed this program. We said we got pre-evictions, cases that are on the calendar, which is, are most likely to be ha- imminently um, possible of homelessness because the eviction is set on a time standard. Then number three were ones where no answer had been filed and the writ could be requested any day. So we targeted all three of those. And the magical thing that happened in the program was we, Matt and I went to seven weeks, I think, right, of calendars, every single calendar. And it was the Matt and Christina show. And I'm like, hi, I'm Judge Bloom. And this is my friend, Matt Elder. And here's where to tell you about Project Reset. Because we really had to, we really had to get people to trust us Mm -hmm. that it wasn't too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And we, we, and I talked to my landlord tenant attorneys who a lot of them are really wonderful and they work out payment plans. I mean, Matt's there. It's, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on it because a lot of landlords want to keep their tenants. Right. So, so we talked to them and said, this isn't about the law. This is about a solution. And Matt would sit out in front of every calendar and sign people up for reset. It started with a Google doc between me, one temp, Matt, and then we would, uh, and we would transfer and get the, if the tenant applied, we'd get the landlord's information. If the landlord applied, we'd get the tenant's information. And after a short period of time, we were catching the active evictions, which were the cases that were filed. Well, the magic moment for us was catching the landlords would call us and say, hey, I've got a CDC declaration in this case, but I haven't filed yet on these tenants. Can I apply on behalf of the tenants even though I haven't applied? And we're like, yeah, even though I haven't filed. We go, yeah, you can. And um, (laughs) we got way ahead of it. And for a time where we still run in at about 60, so the landlord started applying on behalf of their tenants. Huh. to say, I want to catch this tenant up. Right. So for a long time, about six, we're still about 60% yep. of, the, of the cases we're paying off are cases that have not been filed as evictions yet, which is why Matt and I, in my statistical world, believe our, our landlord-tenant filings are still 40% lower, as I sit here today, than in hmm. a, told you, a normal year. And that's about right. Right, Matt? I mean, did I, did I describe that accurately? No, no, you absolutely did. And I think that one of the things that you highlighted that I want to put an exclamation point on is we knew by launching something brand new that we had to cross the threshold of the per- people we were trying to reach, whether that was the tenants, the landlords, the attorneys, the property managers, whoever it would be. And so we were dedicated. We went to every single one of the dispensary calendars for the seven or so weeks that we were out there. We did our little road show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge Bloom's staff sent a letter to every single person who had, ha- who had filed an active eviction to say, this is a new program we're doing. Here's how you apply. Here are the steps to go through the process. We worked with the attorneys specifically to try and make sure that they understood what we were doing. We were trying to do help us to talk to your property managers, to your clients, help us to explain what we're trying to do. And that it, there really was no strings attached. We were trying to put as much money as we could back into the local community mm-hmm. to help people who were suffering from COVID-19, whatever economic impact that may be, and were at risk of losing their homes due to eviction potentially becoming homeless and with home first Gwinnett and our role there's only ever going to be so much inventory of homeless services available in any community no matter where you right, are right so to have a sudden influx of additional need onto a community where you're already stretched beyond imagination because of the pandemic to begin with 
was just an, a was a non-starter for us. We could not allow that to happen. We had to come up with something new. And through the partnership we had between our, myself, the magistrate court, and obviously Commissioner Foskey as well, we pushed each other to new lengths yep. and to find new ways to do things and to innovate. In our, but all three of us agreed on one very simple thing from the very beginning, that was to keep this as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. We launched with a Google form which is probably the least complex way you could ever do it's it. It's like a seven-year-old could have done it. <laughs> I struggled with the Google form sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I struggled with it too, but the point was to make it as low barrier as possible to get people to connect, to be able to apply and do, do that process itself and ask as few questions as possible, not make it burdensome or, barrier or a high barrier level so that we could reach people and spend money as quickly as possible. Uh, and we did that in spades and you know that from 1.0 we launched that in November became now 2.0 that we launched this past April uh, which is a, a very similar but also a different program with a much more uh, built out portal for applications uh, no more yes. Google Forms. And we have now about 40 people a staff of about 40 that run Project Reset. We started with me Matt Shannon Candler, can't not mention no, our grants director, Shannon Candler for Gwinnett County. She's amazing. And one of the critical components to the success of our program, and I will, I will tell you, Matt and I got calls from other counties yep. and other jurisdictions saying, how'd you guys figure it out? And I go, it's really just a partnership and we're all doers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, that the critical component to our success was that the county hung on to the money and they figured out how to pay the landlords directly and swiftly mm-hmm. because delay in the landlord-tenant world is going to scare the landlords away from taking the funds. And a lot of people don't understand about the CDC declaration too. It covers non-payment of rent due to a COVID reason. If the lease is expired, if there's other bases for filing an eviction, it's just not a blanket stop. And it's a it's so so there's all these different things in factor that what we've been trying to do is convince the landlords hey we'll catch you up project reset 2.0 now pays up to 15 months of past due rent Um, and the reason you know people talk about the expenditure of money we were so far ahead of this last year it wasn't gonna be Mm. that we were gonna have an explosion of need for funding because what I'm telling you is I still have 40% less eviction filings as I sit here in front of you today now I haven't pulled the numbers in a month but after the, after the moratorium expired for those two days, Monday to us looked like Friday was normal, or was normal mm-hmm. because the integral, you know, the, the, the protocols we put together that are all meshed, one of the components was keeping the courts open. We didn't want to create our own emergency by shutting the doors and then opening a floodgate on some artificial date that I can't control. Right. So, so we kept the pipeline open in order to watch how the eviction circumstances were going in our community. We needed that data to know where the the problems were. And now Project Reset actually has community outreach function. They go into the property management, you know, companies and say, I got money for you if you've got tenants in need. And I think one of our cooler days is Matt and I, Commissioner Foscue, I can't say enough about in our uh, the county, it, you know, they them holding the money was the trick but and it it makes it very transparent as a government employee Mm -hmm. transparency and efficiency with funding sources is a big deal and we were able to maintain that but the one thing that was really interesting in it is that um, Matt and I we first got two million dollars and I remember it was Thanksgiving three days before Thanksgiving and it was going so good 
that they, <laughs> Matt and I got an email, right? It was just an email and it said, hey, you guys, we're gonna put three more million in Project Reset. And we had set all these goals. Matt and I, had we'd meet every week, we'd set all these goals because Commissioner Foskey was like, don't you make us send any of that money back. And we sat there and we're like, well, now our goals are <laughs> three. We were happy and sad, but I was joking. I go, shouldn't that have been a phone call? Not just an email. But now the county, fast forward, has really built on the success of the project and they have funded it to the tune of now total of $35.1 million, right, Matt? Is that number correct? Total from one and two. Yeah, so with the CARES Act, we ended up spending about $6.5 million in total mm-hmm. um, at, at the end of the day. And then we did receive, uh, we, were, we're the, we are the administrators for Project Reset 2.0, which is the county's emergency rental assistance program, which was uh, allocated $28.1 million in ERA 1 through uh, Appropriations Act at the end of the calendar year that Congress passed. but. To touch back on something Judge Bloom said, one of the things that gave us immediate credibility was that the county made all the payments. Mm -hmm. So landlords could look at it and could believe and know that the money was basically a guarantee as soon as they agreed to it. They were going to get the payment. They knew knew there was a financial services department behind it. And Shannon Candler was a huge part of making sure that she found a way to help have us do that because to rely on a nonprofit or an individual organization to try and cut what was essentially thousands of checks or payments the mm-hmm. delay was going to be too much for our landlords want to participate, and we were already ha- asking them to trust us with something brand new that never existed before. So we had to have a way to really cross that threshold and build trust inherently, and we did that. And the county, which is a great partner, and they've only built and expanded upon that with space and additional resources to yeah. do more staffing. Because, like you said, and Chairwoman Hendrickson is phenomenal, amazing. She's a phenomenal. And I'll tell you something cool, like how the project works too. One of the things from my perspective and my court's perspective is people talk about their eviction records. If you are evicted and you have a $15,000 past due rent judgment, by the way, we were smart going into this. We took about 50 files when we started it and we did an average of past due rent that was alleged Mm -hmm. in the complaint. So we knew our numbers going in. Matt and I are both process people. So we were prepared. But one of the things from my court's perspective is I look at, I don't want unwanted evictions on people's records. So last year, one of the cool things that I was able to do is you use a good force disruption to really, t- I hate that it's a pandemic. I mean, don't get me wrong, but the opportunities last year were there if you if you found them in not having your foot on the gas pedal to, to reimagine processes. So one of the processes that I couldn't wait to get rid of that was pretty ingrained is that, and, and the law says, if it, a writ shall issue, if, if the tenant doesn't file an answer within the time frame provided by law. Well, of course, we obeyed all the extensions of the time frames during the period of the judicial emergency. I think we were allowed to, we were, well, we were required, excuse me, to go back and count time differently in mid-July. But um, w- with all of these default writs, we would just def- issue the writ to close out the case. So I said, stop that process immediately because I wanted to know how many people were actually using the writ. Like if you're my tenant and I'm mm-hmm. the landlord and I file on you and then you catch up and then I'm just not gonna go to court and that case is gonna be dismissed or I get the writ, I don't care, or I'm not gonna file an answer. So I watched those stacked up and I said, all right, now we got a new rule. They're gonna have to come in and request the writ, which helped. So we were able to keep those off people's records because landlords do come in. There's not like a criminal, it's not a criminal thing, but they come in and they pull. They wanna know how many times you've been evicted before Mm -hmm. I decide whether to rent to you. So one of the cool things about Project Reset from a court protocol perspective is I will set aside a writ, I will vacate a judgment, I will put you back to zero legally up until Project Reset will stop the eviction up until the first stick of furniture is taken out of that house. So, So say you already have a judgment for $15,000 and you have a writ issued against you, it might have been issued last year. 
-hmm. If the writ hasn't been executed yet, I will clear that judgment, meaning that it doesn't show up on, you know, it shows that the judgment's been satisfied. Mm -hmm. And then we will vacate that writ and, and, and indicate that the writ is no longer good. So there's a lot from the court's perspective we've done. And I've sat in my office, uh, sometimes I did them on Fridays, I'd have I'd do. I'd, I'd tally up the money and then tell Matt. I said today I set aside two hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of judgments against mm. people that Project Reset rescued. Mm-hmm. Well, and this addresses, I think, an, a misconception people have because they're hearing what they hear in the news is that you know the moratorium is ended and oh my gosh, you know people are going to be owing, you know, eighteen months worth of rent or whatever the number is, and landlords or haven't been paid for all this time. But what you what y'all have done by being proactive has eliminated that because, like you just said, you have helped everyone throughout this process instead of waiting until okay now it's lifted. And that's why we don't have a spike in the spending because we've been pretty consistent. Yeah, I wouldn't say we've eliminated it altogether, but we have certainly put a a very significant dent in what would be an absolute tidal wave that most communities are currently fearing. For us, when the moratorium was lifted for essentially two days. Was there obviously some concern? Yes, but we knew we had done the legwork since November of last year to try and get as far in front of this as possible. And we'd already built the system, built the structure, built the pathway to get people to the assistance. So now all we had to do was continue to do what we've been doing. And we knew the numbers were never going to get so so catastrophic that we just couldn't respond at all. Right. And, and it's important to point out too, we can't force people to settle. We can't force a landlord to, if a lease has expired and they want the tenant out, they have the legal right to do that. Right. So we've done everything we can with Project Reset and and even the court processes to assure the landlord, look, we'll continue your case and put it on a different calendar to give you the chance to settle it. We won't dismiss it. We'll hang on to it because we want to keep the landlords interested in keeping that tenant. So a lot of our court processes have been designed to say, okay, landlord, we'll hold off, but just give it a shot. But but make no mistakes, Matt's right. Remember, in a non-pandemic year, we were still doing 24,000 evictions every year, which is still very low compared to the metro counties. Um, because again, our rental portfolio is very different. So that was important to Matt and I to protect at the end of this because people still have to have places to live. But, but the rental properties, you know, paying them, people still are going to get evicted. I can't stop that. Right. But we're still well below what a normal year is. Right, right. And we have, I want to run through some other important questions and we're um, coming short on time. Um, so talk briefly, talk about the landlords because sometimes they get portrayed as the bad guy, but we, like you guys have seen and I've heard from different conversations is they have actually gone above and beyond in some cases. So talk briefly about the landlords and what you guys have experienced. Well, Matt deals with them a lot and he, he had to settle all the cases initially. So Matt, you're probably better. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of the landlords, this was about a financial transaction, the fact that they were hurting too, whether it was a big corporate owner who owned multiple properties or it was a mom and pop shop that had one extra property they were using to help pay down their own their own mortgage. So for us, it was about coming to the equation for equal setting for both sides. We weren't advocating for the tenant or the landlord or the attorney or anyone else. We were giving everybody equal opportunity to be a part of the program. And we have had overwhelming support from our landlord community here to want to be a part of it, want to work with their tenants as hard as they can to help them. Uh, as J- Judge said, that's why they're bringing tenants to us, because they don't want to have to evict them. They don't want to have to remove them. They want to try and help them to get the assistance they need to stay there because they've been good tenants in longstanding, and they want to continue that relationship. And they know that this pandemic, unfortunately, is a very hurtful but also a very temporary setting. 
And we used to have settlement calendars before they just got too many. And we would have both the landlords and the tenants in tears, just mm-hmm. saying, I wanted to keep this tenant, and I, I, but I have to pay this mortgage on this property. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I mean, there were a lot of tears we had in the beginning. And we had one of our major property um, owners in Gwinnett County, Matt called me one day. He's like, you're not going to believe this. They had not filed on something like 46 families. And um, they called Matt and said, can we apply on behalf of all these tenants? And Matt's like, yeah, we have one rule. And that rule is, is it going to keep the tenants in their homes? Um, Project Reset and through the county paid $215,000, something like that, yep. to keep 46 families in their homes before the eviction was even filed. And I remember them calling Matt and he was like, they wanted to know if anybody else has a program like this around. And, you know, but it's a testament to the collaboration Mm -hmm. and just the willingness to cut aside. Let's just forget about everything except action. And how are we going to get ahead of it? And what tools do you have in your tool chest that you can contribute to the project? And I don't know that I've ever been more proud of anything than my collaboration with Commissioner Foscu, now Chairwoman Hendrickson, and Matt. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and then quickly, um, and I know you mentioned Project Reset helps a lot, but it doesn't help everyone. So what else is there available? Um, you know, other programs tossing it to you, Matt, for those who are in need. Yeah, so there's a litany of housing resources that are available on the Gwinnett County website. There are uh, programs for emergency shelter. In fact, actually, Home First Gwinnett is going to be dedicating our brand new shelter tomorrow uh, to get that open with 20-bed facility for single awesome. women with children. There are partners. There's domestic violence providers. There are rapid rehousing, transitional housing. Uh, I could go on and on about all our wonderful community partners, but I know we're short on time. But uh, if you go to the county website and you go under the grant section under housing resources, there is a list of all the providers and what they and what they do and links to their websites as well. All right. Awesome. Well, and then going back to project reset just um for our listeners kind of set the future is it going to continue or what are the next best steps that you guys see for our community as we as we move from crisis to relief to recovery yeah i mean the need is still very much there we will continue to do it as the funding is there Uh, the county will be getting i believe we got additional funding through the american rescue plan and we'll see kind of how that plays out but what we've designed is a system that's not just suited for the pandemic but a way to respond to the eviction issue overall long term so as long as the funding remains and we have the ability to do that whether it's home first or project reset or we have other partners that want to come on board we intend to continue to be able to intervene in evictions we have big plans me and matt (laughs) big plans (laughs) we'd say this gave us our foot in the door to flip the justice model at least in certain things and by the way project reset is on site so we are at the calendars allowing people to apply for this assistance during the eviction calendars. Mm, that's yeah. awesome. And those big things, you heard it here first on Giving Back to Gwinnett Podcast. <laughs> right. We have plans. We don't know that we can get, <laughs> we have some, we're going we're gonna to ride the wave of our success with this to hopefully kick that door down and get some more services because people come to my court needing a service, not always needing a legal document. Right. So we are a compass court. We try to point people in the right direction. So I'm looking forward to my continued partnership with Matt and with the county, he's always been an amazing supportive partner um, to build on the momentum we have to affect real change. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, again, to talk on these, some of the calls that, that the Gwinnett Coalition gets through the helpline, um, where do people go to find out, you know, if they're an apartment renter, a home renter, a homeowner, um, if they're trying to apply, is there, like, where do they go to find out that, that information? So for information about the rental assistance program, you can go to 
ga.us slash rental assistance. Um, they can also go to homefirstgwinnett.org to look at what kind of other housing services that we offer uh, that will be able to help people who are dealing with homelessness, housing insecurity, and are facing potentially facing eviction or behind on their rent. Uh, I don't have a great resource yet for homeowners who are struggling, but we are very keenly aware of that issue and uh, working as close as we can to kind of follow what the state's going to do with some of the funding they got, and we'll be blasting that out. I know the coalition will as well as soon as we have information about what can be done because obviously that's a situation which has also got a lot of pain points from the pandemic as well as the renters have had on their end. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and then wrapping up, I you know always want to leave people with something that they can do. So for our listeners, um, do you have any tips, advice on how they can uh, get engaged and help with, you know, whether it's uh, affordable housing throughout the future or what's happening right now? Hmm. Matt? I think that the biggest thing that you need when it comes to the development of affordable housing or preservation of it is you need a little army of, of community to be behind it to want to push for it. Um, you know, it's not always the most attractive topic to talk about, but it's a vitally important part of the service industry or people who are trying to get back up on their feet. And we have to have more of it here in mm-hmm. Gwinnett County. Absolutely. Uh, we have to find a way to further develop what we have and to preserve what is already existing. And so people who want to get educated and kind of understand what that looks like in Gwinnett, what does affordable housing mean? It's not the stereotypes that everybody thinks about. Uh, there's lots of opportunities to be be involved with that. And I know that the county is in the process of completing the housing study. I'm sure that will have some information as well in terms of what can be done. So I would just pay attention to a lot of the social media pages on kind of what's coming up. And I know that's going to be at the top of a lot of people's list for the, for the foreseeable future. Well, and there's also a lot of opportunities. Um, Gwinnett County has a lot of volunteer opportunities that county government does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can go to GwinnettCounty.com and look for volunteer opportunities. And they're always, I know our, our commissioners are always looking for um, uh, inspired and motivated, um, you know, c- citizens of Gwinnett County to kind of get engaged and help with any kind of issues. So there are opportunities there. They look for people for boards and for for um, advisory councils and things like that. So I encourage people to do that. And if they wanted to learn more just about Gwinnett County government in general, Gwinnett mm-hmm. County Citizens Academy is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Um, thank you for your heart for helping um, and especially Everyone has gone above and beyond this past year, um, but and thanks for joining us today. So, um, and to our listeners, thank you for joining us today on the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Gwinnett Coalition or the Community Foundation, please visit them at GwinnettCoalition.org or CFNEG.org. I'm your host, Heather Loveridge. Thanks again for joining us, and now go make a difference in your community. Mm-hmm.